Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Mac Chats, where we talk about all things related to the mission and vision of McDonald Area Catholic Schools. I'm Molly here with some great guests today, Mr. Justin Cool and Miss Jenna Pru. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Um, before we jump in, I just want to acknowledge and thank our sponsor, Freeze Financial Group for their long-standing support of our Catholic schools. Thank you, Freeze Financial. All right, so as I said, we have Mr. Justin Cool, who is a teacher at Notre Dame Middle School, and Ms. Jenna Prue, who is, oddly enough, a student at Notre Dame Middle School. So as you might guess, we're going to be talking about what I like to call the hidden gem of McDonald Area Catholic Schools, NDMS. So, uh, Mr. Cool, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, my name is Justin Cool. I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and my wife is from the Eau Claire area. So we moved uh, here in 2012. Um, I'm entering my, I think, 20th year as an educator. And uh, I taught all boys high school uh, before moving here to the area and then spent a year um, in flux trying to find a position here and uh, subbed a lot here at McDonald and then Brother Roger offered me a job, and uh, I took it the following year, so I started here in uh, 2013 uh, teaching middle school, which uh, was definitely a little uh, out of my wheelhouse, but I've really grown to enjoy it and uh, like watching them form. Wonderful. Um, and Jenna, Miss Jenna Prue, can you tell us just a little about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Jenna Prue. I'm in eighth grade. Uh, I am originally from Eau Claire, but I've been going to the Mac system since I was in kindergarten. Um, I have two homes that I um, go back and forth between um, my parents split, but I have a really large family now, mm -hmm. uh, and all of us uh, pretty much go to the Mac schools system, so. Great. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing that. Where are, you, where are you in the lineup, right? Are you kind of in the middle? I am in the middle. Me and my stepsister, who is in the same grade as I am, uh, we are the two middle. That's right. And at least you have each other. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Jenna. Um, so coming back to you, Mr. Cool, you know, you talked about, like you said, 20 years in education, 10 years here at Max. Um, what drew you to want to become a teacher in the first place? Um, like many good teachers, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. But um, no, in all seriousness, I, I my degree was in um, English and communications. And so I had a lot of literature classes and things, but then was also very much interested in doing technical writing and things like that. And did an internship uh, my last semester of college. And it was fine, but I just really wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. And um, I worked in campus ministry in college and brother Walter and sister Dolores came to me and said, you're, you're going to go far away. We're going to send you far away and you're going to go do something out of your comfort zone. I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. They're like, no, there's this program you can do, um, where you can, uh, live and work with the Christian brothers and, uh, and volunteer teach. And I was like, nope, no, thank you. And then God called me to do that. And, uh, so I got to work in a school for two years in uh, New York City on the Lower East Side, uh, LaSalle Academy, and lived in a uh, community with the brothers for two years and other volunteers, and it definitely changed my life more than anything else in, in my life and mm -hmm. um, really led me to, to love teaching and to find a passion for teaching. That is, yeah, that's an incredible story. I don't, I, 
I had some hints of that, but I didn't know the full arc of it until you just stated that. And I mean, you mentioned move into the area and subbing at max, um, but you've been here 10 years now. And what specifically about, you know, our local Catholic schools speaks to you as an educator? Um, I mean, I think, you know, I went to a diocesan school um, from first grade all the way through eighth grade. And then I was educated by the brothers, the uh, LaSalle and Christian brothers uh, for high school and college and my uh, master's degree. And so I've just always been in Catholic education. And um, really, it was just fortuitous. Uh, many of you might remember Brother Roger, who was the principal here. And so I move here. I know nothing. I know no one. Uh, I start subbing it. A school because it's nearby and you know I'm subbing in Eau Claire and things as well and come to find out the principal's a brother and I was like well what are the odds that I end up in this mm -hmm. tiny place called Chippewa Falls Wisconsin and and the principal's a brother and it just it was very clear to me that um, you know God had brought me here for that and uh, and then you know I've just really grown to love the community um, I just love how much autonomy I have in the classroom to teach in a way that you know I see fit and I feel like it's been effective and and so it's just a place that I've you know become very comfortable with and really enjoy the students and then the unique experience of having them in the high school as well where I can see them grow and mm -hmm. you know experience that growth even beyond my years with them that's yeah I think that relationship piece that this community allows um, other teachers that have been on the show have spoken about that too that just adds another element of satisfaction to what you're able to do. So um, I, I always like to find these common threads between comments that I hear and, and some from students as well. Um, so Jenna, what are your interests and activities as an eighth grader here at Notre Dame? Well, I really do like to play sports like volleyball. And I love to do the musical that we have here, the, the high school and the middle school. One of my favorite things I look forward to every year, and then as soon as it's over one year, I always am looking forward to the one that's coming the following year. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely enjoy learning, and the classes that we have, uh, how we can do so many different subjects here, and that religion is offered, which I also really enjoy because I don't get to learn about that stuff just outside of school, just randomly. Mm -hmm. And it's actually very interesting and really uh, good for me, I think. And Jenna neglected to mention, too, she's on the Brains team uh, last year. We had a very uh, young team, very, very young. And uh, they captured second place in the diocese last year after never placing in the top six. Well, in recent history, her uh, father would correct me because they had a, a good run back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, but in recent <laughs> history, since I've taken over the program, and uh, so we really look to do really well with that uh, trivia competition here. And uh, I think it's late January, early February. Yeah, that was definitely a really fun experience, too, to uh, meet more people from other grades and like interact with them because on a daily basis, I didn't really do that. Right. I mean, so it's it's great to hear just the full scope of, you know, with athletics and fine arts, theater arts, um, your academic experience, and then even taking that outside the classroom to uh, go up against the other diocesan middle schools with the brains team. Um, it just sounds like you're a really well-rounded young lady, Jenna. It's nice to hear. Um, specifically, as we're coming up to the end of volleyball season, right? Mm -hmm. How's that been going for you? That is going very good. Uh 
well. We have been doing... The well, English teacher looks at her yeah. very well. <laughs> I was like, better make sure I got that right. Um, I, Our team, we have some really talented players, and we are going to high school next year, so we've all been working extra hard. And, yeah, we doing well. That's awesome. Uh, you know, Mr. Cool, did you ever play sports? Uh, I was a swimmer, so I, um, I did not uh, really enjoy – um, or was not good at sports with like balls and, and teams and things, but I really, really love swimming. So um, around fifth, sixth grade, I broke my arm and wasn't able to participate in baseball that summer. And I always loved swimming. And so uh, once I healed up, I hopped in the pool and uh, swam all through high school on a competitive team and swam for my high school as well. And then mm -hmm. even in college, there was no team, but I would, um, you know, go to the, not my university didn't have a pool, but the one down the road did. So I'd go in the mornings before class and swim so definitely important and then today I really enjoy um, cycling just mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of pool access so do a lot of biking I did mm -hmm. over 400 miles this summer so I really enjoyed that wow that is impressive 400 miles I know one of the other staff members here I think did the century ride too Oof. maybe you can get a cycling club going or something um, I think there should be more staff athletic clubs and intramural leagues and things oh, it's fun. all the kids playing all the time um, but uh, you know, I didn't even ask you, and I shouldn't assume everyone knows much about the subject that you teach. It kind of came up in passing there, but do you want to talk a little bit more about your passion for your subject? Yeah, so I teach uh, English language arts, so I'm covering um, grammar, writing, reading, all of those things. Um, but I really try and incorporate uh, other arts into that. I really find it important to incorporate music and movies and television and pop culture and things that not not just make it relevant for the students but also culturally so they understand like where we've come from and how we got there and how a book that was written a hundred years ago might connect to something that they're seeing on TV or you know hearing in the news um, so it's important that I'm bringing social studies in and religion and so I really try and bring as many different subjects in as possible to to really make my classes rounded as possible yeah I think um, and yeah I think you've done an excellent job um, as you know, my child, my own children have always given you rave reviews, um, and I've always enjoyed visiting your classroom each year. Uh, but um, and I really do like the amount of engagement with the students and kind of that method of just keeping it upbeat, keeping it moving. Um, how I mean, how do you hone your craft? How do you kind of stay on your toes as an educator and and keep on the top of your game I guess <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> yeah I mean one one is I try and keep it student centered as best I can and so you know what what can I do to keep them engaged and that's not to be gimmicky at all but like what are their interests what are their passions just today in seventh grade we were reading an article about um, technology and how it impacts their brains and and really asking them like what would you do with your academics if you could completely choose? Like, what would you do if you had an hour a week? Or um, what would what course of study would you choose? And it was really interesting. A lot of them actually talked about how they would use that time to, to practice a subject that they are not good at. And mm -hmm. so it was really interesting to get that dialogue going with them. And so really just getting them involved and getting them interested so they feel like they have a voice, even though it could be a really dry topic. And then I think the other thing is I'm just, I love learning. I'm constantly listening to podcasts and reading articles. And I just love immersing myself in, in subjects that, that I can relate to class and, you know, constantly reading an article and bookmarking it and saying, hey, I can include that in a, 
you know, a student's uh, research paper that they're doing or um, for a topic of discussion in class. Yeah, I mean, what would you say, Jenna? Um, you must have had Mr. Cool. Are you in Mr. Cool's class right now? Yes. Okay, so can you kind of describe Mr. Cool as a teacher and, you know, what have you learned from him? Yeah, uh, English is probably one of my favorite classes and I can tell someone that and they'll look at me funny like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, he gives us these lectures, but they're not really lectures. They're more like conversations with each and every one of us. And like you said, he also includes music. So we get to listen to music, say, if we're talking about um, a certain topic from a certain time period, we get to listen to the artists of that time and we get to see uh, art and paintings from that time and that's really interesting to learn about and read about also yeah I love that cross-curricular connection or even just you know the full range of human expression outside of the written word um, adds a lot of richness and texture to what you're talking about that's yeah well, I'm really impressed by that too what I think I've always you know told whenever I have like parents in for things you know well, my kid doesn't read they don't like to read I'm like but they are reading they're reading text messages they're reading sports scores they're they're like we're always reading we just don't think of like oh i'm not sitting down to read a book but you might be reading a comic book you're reading an article about something you're interested in online or whatever and so you know we i think thinking of reading is not just like i've got to read this book from 200 years ago or whatever but it's mm -hmm. it's an immersive thing we're doing all the time that yeah i never really thought of it that way either um yeah, I guess that would just challenge anyone to say this isn't just for some people who enjoy sitting down with a book from 200 years ago, although I am one of those people, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I won't af apologize for that, but, you know, that's not everybody. Um, so, you know, shifting from books 200 years ago to here we are in 2023 with a lot of different challenges and opportunities regarding technology and education. So, uh, Mr. Cool, as you... You know, in addition to your teaching, you also have a role with media and technology here at Max. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So back when I was first hired, actually, Brother Roger hired me half time to work with technology and half time with English because there wasn't a need for a full time English teacher at the time. And I'd never really done anything like that, but it always kind of toyed with technology. And so then that kind of morphed into us going to the one to one the following year. And so did a lot of investigation. I like doing research into what product to buy and things like that. So mm -hmm. tried to figure out like, you know, what, what Chromebook we wanted. And, um, and so then that got me involved with the, the software that was going to be used with it. And from there got involved with, um, you know, launch, helping launch, um, Google Classroom and then all the other, you know, pieces of software that we're using on campus. So I monitor a lot of that and help out with that. Just I'm interested in it. And also, um, it's just a good triage because down in the middle school, we're so far from the technology um, director up here. So if a computer's broken, I can kind of help in the moment or if, you know, a teacher's panicking because they can't get online or whatever, at least I have got enough rudimentary skills that I can help help solve the problem, at least put a Band-Aid on it. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, that's, yeah, that's how I got in, involved with that. So, you know, as we've grappled with this, and we're not the only school to be looking at the proper role of technology in teaching and learning, um, 
I guess what, you know, I think I hear very extreme positions on this and you probably do as well. Like, well, we really shouldn't have any at all because they just need to learn the old fashioned way or it doesn't add enough value to be worth whatever it is. Or, you know, these kids need to be prepared for their jobs and they shouldn't do anything on paper and every last thing should be done through technology. So I, I hear very extreme positions <laughs> <laughs> on the use of technology and teaching and learning. And I'm wondering if you can shed some light on, you know, what you think is a healthy view of the use of technology in teaching and yeah. learning. I mean, my, my grandmother was a dietitian, and she always said, your diet is simply what you eat. It's not something you do. And um, this idea that all things are in moderation, right? Mm. And so, so we should be, in my opinion, including something. I'm not saying everything has to be technology or everything shouldn't be technology, but I think, Molly, you're right, that we, we need a little bit of everything in our diet, right? And so it, students are going to, and, and the, my, um, one thing I've always struggled with in working with technology and students is uh, adults, especially people in my age bracket that came, came of age in the, I, alongside the internet, we all learned how to use it because we had to figure out how to use it. And so many young people just have a phone or a tablet handed to them with an app that they touch and then it feeds them the information, but they don't actually know like how to do it. So mm -hmm. we assume that like, oh, they know how to send an email. Well, they don't. Somebody has to teach them that. And so I think our role as educators is, yes, the, you know, uh, right, you know, teaching the, the basis of all education, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, but kids are going to have to send emails as grownups. They're going to have to know how to moderate how often they're playing video games and these things. So I think, you know, using technology in the classroom, I think is a, a good way to help show them how to use it and use it responsibly because that's a reality of the, the life they're going to lead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, and, you know, of course, we're in a controlled environment. You know, they're not on personal devices and things at school with mm -hmm. our, you know, the controls we have in place. Maybe you could talk a little bit just enlightening the listeners. Of course, you know, I think I know. But what are some of the ways that we um, keep our digital environment safe here at Max? Yeah, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. So we had a program before that we didn't really particularly care for, but about two or three years ago, we launched Securely. It's a really nice program. It's really easy for Josh and technology and, and me as well to um, block certain websites, to filter things, and that filter applies at home as well as at school, um, which is really nice. Uh, it allows teachers to monitor students' computers in real time. They can um, chat with students. So if they notice a student is you know, off task, they can just very silently send them a message like, hey, notice you're off task. Um, they can block the computer. Uh, they can turn it off. So uh, it gives the individual teacher a lot of controls over what's happening, um, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, there's you know, definitely controls in place. Wonderful. What do you think about that, Jenna? Are you finding yourself um, interacting pretty well with your Chromebook at school? What are you seeing among your friends? Generally, yeah. Uh, I have noticed that whenever somebody seems to find a new way to figure out something they haven't been doing, uh, it usually has gotten found out about pretty quickly thanks to the website and not only that but I will admit it's pretty distracting for me too because when someone's doing something they shouldn't be or like looking up something they shouldn't be while class is going on uh it definitely is actually a lot of a bigger distraction to everyone else than 
they might think it is. Yeah, I mean, Jenna, don't you think most teachers, especially in the middle school, do a good job of, like, balancing technology with writing on paper and kind of old school education? I mean, I think it's pretty well balanced, you know, even from class to class. Yeah, definitely, because I do notice that when my folder is pretty full of papers, I have to work on my um, inbox and my drafts are all pretty full as well. Hmm. Equally, equally distributed among the media that we use. Mm. So, I mean, it, yeah, it just it points out, though, just that it's an ongoing challenge to stay on top of using it as a tool and not becoming a distraction. So it's just kind of a constant work in progress, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So, and even now there's some emerging challenges with um, artificial intelligence. I know you've been doing some work on that, Mr. Cool. Did you want to speak about yeah. about what you've been looking at with that? So as this, uh, you know, kind of came about in the in the spring semester last year, I I kind of see that saw that the uh, as I've said the asteroid was heading toward Earth, and we need a plan for what we're going to do because it's coming. And so this mm-hmm. artificial intelligence is coming, you know, whether we, we want it to or not. Even just this morning, I was talking with a student. She was like, yeah, yesterday my friend had me sing into this website and it made me sound like Taylor Swift. And it was kind of uncomfortable, like, you know, and, and thinking about how are we going to evaluate truth? And uh, it's it's going to throw some new problems our way. So I talked with um, Molly here about it and said, you know, hey, I think if we go from a ground up approach, we're going to have good student buy-in. And I said, let's, let's get a group of students together and, and talk about what, what are our values, first of all, as, as a learning environment, a learning institution. And then secondly, like, what do we want to do for an acceptable use policy? So I've been meeting with a group of students um, from grades uh, seven through 12, uh, twice a week, Um, different kids show up each, each session. And so right now we're working on a kind of a, a vision statement for what our school is is responsible for as far as a learning environment and then what students are responsible for and then from there we'll break down and, and look at what the actual you know rules if you want to call them that are going to be but mm-hmm. and then we'll pass that on to administration for kind of final ratification and approval and the students have had really nice buy-in and have really felt like this is a good approach that that if they're responsible for it that they can maybe help police it and help inspire other students and and a lot of them have talked about wanting to learn for learning's sake and that yeah this is a alluring technology for sure but um, at this point a lot of them believe that that learning is still important and a lot of them are seniors and are realize that what they're putting together is about handing this down and and I think they're taking a lot of pride in that saying that you know this isn't something that's going to impact us for the long term but realizing we need to leave a, a legacy um, for those behind us so that they're wanting to continue to to learn and, and to acquire knowledge. I think, yeah, the, the, uh, the structure and the vision that you've put in place with involving the students in this vision and setting these policies is really inspired. Um, because you could think, you know, you could grab a, an AI policy off of probably some model policy off of another school's website or something and just say, here's our policy now. But you wouldn't have any of the value that you've just described um, and even the sticking value, you know, of the when there's a conversation happening and students are actually involved in those decisions. I think it just makes all the difference in the world of it being taken seriously. Right. When I first started, a lot of people were like, well, what are other schools doing? What are other schools doing? It was like, 
I don't know. Or they're not. So, like, let's not wait around. Like, let's be mm-hmm. leaders in this frontier. Why, like, why are we sitting around waiting on somebody else to develop a policy? Like, let's do this and then let's teach other people. Like, hey, here's our process. Here's what we came up with. Um, so I'm really doing a, you know, trying to document our process so that, mm-hmm. you know, if other people come to you, Molly, and say, like, what are you doing? You can say, like, here's here's what they met about. Here's their minutes from their meeting. And this is this is what we came up with. And here's and here's why. And realizing what's good for our school might not be the same for another school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I do not. Um, that's my mindset, too. And I think even you're saying the students brought that mindset of of we want to learn. We want to research. We want to take ownership of this. And it's sort of like the cause and effect is there. Mm-hmm. Like they have had this love of learning fostered and they don't want that stolen from them by AI either as much as it might quote unquote make their lives easier to not have to write that essay or whatever the case may be, create that presentation. Um, they lose the pride of their work then too and they lose the opportunity for learning. So yeah, um, you know, Jenna, what do you have you had any exposure of these ideas around artificial intelligence or do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have seen things like just like ads, you know, and I've thought, well, I feel like that's kind of cheating, you know, to mm-hmm. use that even if you're typing this is what I need to have, like that's not you writing it, that's not your words, that's not your grade. That's the inter or the AI grade that's given to the technology, not you writing it. And so you didn't really learn anything. You just use the words. Mm-hmm. That's just like reading, and your g- brain is getting the information, but it's not processing it. Mm-hmm. When I think we assume that like, oh, it's a new technology, kids must love it. There, you know, and I think it's being like all new things being packaged to us as this new candy that we want. But in talking with the students, a lot of them are uncomfortable with it and unsure about it and as uneasy with it as I think a lot of us, you know, adults are. And so I think that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's reassuring that we're kind of all in the same boat and having to navigate it together. And again, that's why I felt it's so important to get out ahead of this and like, let's have this discussion now while the asteroid's still in space and not (laughs) when it's, you know, pummeling through the atmosphere. Right. You know, it really, yeah, I, I'm so glad to hear you speak, Jenna, about the importance of honesty and learning and, you know, we would call academic integrity. Um, you know, and, I, and you talked earlier about enjoying the fact of the different subjects that you get to learn at school. I guess, what do you see as the most important part of being a student at NDMS? Well, obviously, we're a Catholic school and it's... We live by the virtues and God's rules. And I just don't think that if you're not living like with honesty and you're not doing the actual work on your own, getting the answers from somebody like AI, it means something because then you're not really living our mission here. And I just feel like it would be so wrong and you'd probably feel so guilty just the guilt would just not feel good Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thank you jenna um any final words mr cool what um 
I guess, what is your pride and joy of being a teacher at NDMS to finish us off today? Um, just being able to, uh, you know, I was educated by the Christian Brothers, as I mentioned, and a Lasallian education is just at the root of what I do. And it's a, it's a very particular brand of Catholicism. It's a very particular way of thinking about educating because De La Salle was, he was the real founder of what we call education today. He was the first person to bring students into a room together and educate the uneducatable, to take the poor off the streets and, and to give them the tools they needed to be successful. And so I just love being a part of a community that lets me do that, that lets me, um, he, De La Salle always talked about touching the hearts and minds of the young people around us. And and that's what I strive to do every day is touch the hearts and the minds of these students and inspire them to, to live a life of, of goodness and, and faith and, um, and learning and, and believing that they can make the world a better place than they left it and an obligation to make it a better place than they, than they found it. Thank you for everything that you do. Um, you. That's beautiful. And thank you, Jenna, for being here as well. Yeah, thank you.